1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Alta Gas First Quarter 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. My name is Julian and I will be your operator for today's call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. If you have any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star then zero for operator assistance at any time. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. A reminder this conference call is being broadcast live on the internet and recorded. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Adam McKnight. Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. McKnight.
2: Thanks, Julianne, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for the AltaGas First Quarter 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. Speaking on the call this morning will be Randy Crawford, President and Chief Executive Officer, and James Harbalis, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. We're also joined here this morning by Randy Toon, Executive Vice President and President Midstream and Blue Jenkins, Executive Vice President and President Utilities and also, uh, Washington Gas. As always, today's prepared remarks will be followed by an, an analyst question and answer period. And I'll remind everyone that the investor relations team will be available after the call for any follow-up questions or any detailed modeling questions that you might have. Presentation slides have been made available for today's call and they can be accessed through our events and presentations webpage. But I'll remind everyone that today's prepared remarks will not directly follow the slides that were provided. A replay of the call will be available later today and a transcript will be posted to our website shortly thereafter. And before we begin, I'll also remind everyone that we will refer to to forward-looking information on today's call. This information is subject to certain risks and uncertainties as outlined in the forward-looking information disclosure on slide two of the presentation and more fully within our public disclosure filings on both the CDAR and EDGAR systems. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Randy Crawford.
3: Thank you, Adam, and good morning, everyone. I want to take a
4: moment to extend our deepest sympathies to all of those who have been personally affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The world is facing a challenge unlike any in modern history, grappling with the tragic global pandemic and we remain focused on doing our part by continuing to provide our essential services to our customers. Our team is laser-focused on ensuring delivery of vital clean energy so our businesses and customers can continue to move forward with their daily lives to the greatest extent possible during these challenging times. The foundation of Gas core values is built on an unwavering commitment to doing what is right. During the state of emergency, we have suspended disconnections and waive late fees to ensure our 1.6 million customers have access to natural gas, regardless of their economic circumstances. We fully recognize the strain on the frontline healthcare workers and the most vulnerable in our community. And we have committed to provide more than $1 million in donations to help support their efforts and needs. Our hope is that these steps will help our communities through these unsettled times and return from this pandemic stronger than ever. It is during these difficult times that our core values focused on leadership, innovation, adaptivity, resilience and excellence shine through. I take a great deal of pride being part of this organization. At AltaGas, our employees understand the mission and have come together to exhibit these characteristics over the past several weeks. I'd like to take a moment to thank all AltaGas employees for their continued focus, hard work and execution during these challenging times. They are this company's greatest asset and why I am confident in our ability to deliver on all of our expectations to our customers, shareholders, and other stakeholders. As we focus on execution, the safety of our employees and the community is always our number one priority. To ensure that our critical operations continue to operate safely and remain available to serve our customers, we implemented several safety measures to protect the health and safety of our people. Thanks to the excellent response of our leadership team and the planning and coordination of our teams across the organization, we were able to mobilize our workforce and protect our people with limited disruptions to our daily business. Over the past several months, AltaGas has continued to execute across the board. Our distribution and midstream systems continue to perform in line with our excellent safety and reliability standards. The capital investments we made to build a stronger pipeline and technology Infrastructure has allowed us to leverage automation and manage the work remotely, minimizing our in-person interaction. One of the most important core values is our commitment to operational excellence in all that we do. Our operations and construction teams continue to perform exceptionally, keeping our construction program on schedule and on budget. AltaGas financial performance for the fourth quarter, first quarter reflects this strong operating performance across all our businesses. Let me turn to our strategic focus, which remains unchanged. The stable and predictable cash flows of our utility business, combined with our higher growth, midstream assets, provides a unique investment proposition. The quality and diversification of our assets positions us to deliver sustainable, attractive, risk-adjusted returns over the long run.
3: Our utilities,
4: our fo- at our utilities, our focus has been and will continue to be on delivering an excellent value proposition through safe and reliable systems and excellent customer service. The importance of the capital investments that we have made over the past several years have resulted in significant value during these difficult times. These investments, including the utilization of accelerated pipeline replacement programs, has made our infrastructure stronger and has improved our ability to efficiently deliver affordable, reliable, clean energy to our customers. While we continue to monitor the COVID-19 Situation, our capital investment program remains on track. The investments that we are making today are expected to provide meaningful customer benefits over the coming years. The flexibility provided by our annual pipeline replacement program mechanism, combined with our operational cost effectiveness, has helped position our utility to meet its financial commitments and continue to make long term investments during this uncertain time. Our commitment to delivering on the objectives that we have previously outlined to date has resulted in a $6 million reduction in operating costs year over year and a 19% reduction in the incoming leak rates. We attribute this success to our collaborative and forward-thinking relationships with our stakeholders and our regulatory commissions. The collaboration and forward-thinking of our state commissions has enabled us to improve our delivery system and better prepare us for these unprecedented times. We continue to expect to generate significant customer and shareholder value over the coming years. Our utility strategy is centered on safety and reliability, capital discipline, growing the rate base through accelerated programs and reducing cost. We continue to drive towards a performance-based culture to further enhance our capital efficiency and returns while maintaining affordable rates for our customers. In 2020, we expect over 10% earnings growth in our utility segment underpinned by approximately 8 to 10% rate-based growth, higher achieved returns through rate case settlements in 2019, increased utilization of accelerated replacement programs, lower leak remediation and operating costs, and improving our customer experience. Similar to the utility, our strategic vision at midstream remains unchanged, and we believe the market opportunity for exports has never been greater. In times when producers and consumers are dealing with the challenges of economic uncertainty and lower energy prices, we expect to help ease these impacts on customers by providing a much needed market to our RIPIT and Ferndale facilities. Our priority for 2020 continues to be about execution in our core businesses. Our midstream team had another terrific quarter, achieving record rail card offloading and vessel loading rates at RIPIT. Despite rail blockades, In the global health crisis, we loaded six ships in this quarter, keeping us on track to achieve our export goals of 50,000 barrels per day by year end. We continue to see strong and stable demand in Asia for Canadian propane exports. With 50,000 barrels per day of supply secured as of April 1st, and approximately 33% under long-term tolling agreements, demonstrating that our unique value proposition to deliver on our global export strategy is resilient, and sustainable. We further expanded our integrated strategy in the first quarter with the completion of North Pine and Townsend 2 d expansions. Both expansions started flowing gas in April and will continue to contribute to earnings in the second quarter, and we added additional capacity for rail terminal at North Pine to handle the additional volumes. We firmly believe our strategy and the long-term fundamentals of the Motany Basin. Strong economics of the Motany our position to continue to attract capital once the supply and demand stabilize and our market diversity and access to higher valuation markets will remain critical to Western Canadian producers. With the significant recent growth in our supply commitments and tolling volumes and with our partnership in Petrogas, we continue to build a business focused on exporting and enhancing our complementary Northeast BC strategy. Our RIPIT terminal And our future ownership in Ferndale has the capability to provide 120,000 barrels of LPG export capacity of cleaner energy to Asia. We continue to believe in the long-term fundamentals of our structural shipping advantage, which provides us great confidence that our facilities remain highly utilized to connect North American production to the demand in Asia. The recent demand destruction we have witnessed in North America highlights the need for access to global markets. Our ability to provide producer market alternatives, including significant access to global markets, further distinguishes Alta Gas in the Canadian midstream space. While the COVID 19 pandemic has created significant uncertainty throughout the economy and resulted in a significant decline in energy prices, our midstream business is well positioned to continue to deliver on its objectives and its commitments. We do not currently expect any material financial or operational impacts as a result of the pandemic. Additionally, as a result of the actions that we took last year, our RIPIT output is 85% hedged, including firm commitments for 16 cargoes, and we continue to see strong demand for the remaining spot cargoes. Our midstream business is fully funded, and we see a capital light program going forward that will position us to harvest additional cash flows into the future going forward. Despite the current economic challenges, the strength and diversity of AltaGas underlying business positions us to deliver on our forecasted financial results and guidance, while at the same time, maintaining our investment-grade ratings and, most importantly, continuing reliable delivery service for our customers. In summary, AltaGas remains well positioned to continue to execute both the near and long-term horizons. Over the past year, we have focused on building a business that is resilient and able to deliver operational and financial stability for our customers and shareholders. We remain laser-focused on extending that track record today and every day. Even throughout these unprecedented times, AltaGas maintains ongoing access to capital, which reflects the strength of our balance sheet as well as the overall resilience of our underlying business. We are a strong, diversified energy infrastructure company with strategic assets, and ample investment opportunities in our utility and midstream businesses. We offer tremendous value to our customers, communities, and shareholders, and I am confident that we will emerge from this current challenge on solid footing. With that, I will turn the call over to James to review our financial results.
5: Thanks, Randy, and good morning, everyone. During the first quarter of 2020, AltaGas revised its reportable segments to better align with our core focus areas in utilities and midstream. Our WGL retail marketing business now rolls up under utilities and all remaining power assets are included in the corporate other segment. Prior period segment information has been restated to conform to the current reportable segments. As you can see from our financials, we saw strong first quarter results from both the utilities and midstream segments with the utility segment accounting for approximately 75% of normalized EBITDA. Consolidated normalized EBITDA came in at $499 million, approximately 4% higher than Q1 2019, which is right in line with our expectations and gives us a solid start to 2020. Including a $34 million reduction in normalized EBITDA associated with the $2.2 billion in non-core asset sales that we executed in 2019 to strengthen the balance sheet, our first quarter normalized EBITDA would have increased by over 11% compared to 2019. First, car- first quarter growth was driven by strong operations at Ripit inclusive of a one-time realized hedging loss of $6 million related to supply volumes which were not sold until April and growth in the utility segment of $34 million from all of the rate case work that was completed in 2019, as well as increased revenue from accelerated pipe replacement programs. Normalized net income was $229 million or 79 cents per share up approximately 3% over Q1 2019. This increase is due to the previously referenced EBITDA growth along with lower amortization and depreciation as a result of our 2019 asset sales and a $23 million reduction in quarterly interest expense. These were partially offset by higher income tax expense during the quarter. Strong operating performance in the utilities and midstream business also flowed through to normalized funds from operation, which was up approximately 12% year over year to $420 million. First quarter FFO also benefited from lower interest expense, driven by both lower average debt balances due to repayment of debt and lower average interest rates. On March 31, 2020, we completed the sale of our 37% interest in ACI for cash proceeds of approximately $369 million. This marks another another significant milestone for AltaGas as the proceeds provide us greater flexibility in our ability to deliver the company. Our self-funded 2020 capital program remains intact after a strong first quarter. We are well positioned to fund our estimated $900 million capital plan through internally generated cash flow and normal course borrowings and we maintain strong liquidity with approximately 4.1 billion dollars available to us at the end of the quarter now diving into the segmented results and drivers starting with our utility segment normalized EBITDA at our utilities was 369 million dollars for the quarter approximately 10 percent higher than the same quarter last year The largest driver of growth year-over-year was at Washington Gas which was positively impacted by the Maryland and Virginia rate cases, higher revenues associated with ARP spending, lower operating expenses of $6 million that Randy mentioned earlier, and a stronger U.S. dollar. These positive factors were partially offset by warmer weather in D.C. Recall, we have low decoupling in Maryland and Virginia, so the results in those jurisdictions were not impacted by the warmer weather. SEMCO also contributed to higher normalized EBITDA, driven by new rate cases that came into effect at the start of this year, partially offset by warmer weather in Michigan. Shifting to our midstream segment, normalized EBITDA was $120 million for the quarter. Factoring in the lost EBITDA of approximately $14 million associated with the 2019 sale of Stonewall and Central Penn, our core midstream business grew at approximately 5%, with RIPIT being the largest contributor. Results in our base midstream business remain strong, and we continue to see healthy volumes at our plants and new volumes from the Nick Creek facility. Favorable butane spreads provide a strong uplift to our NGL marketing business, along with higher AFUDC related to Mountain Valley Pipeline. These positive factors were partially offset by lower storage spreads and transportation margins from WGL midstream assets and lower equity earnings from Petrogas. In the first quarter, we exported 35,141 barrels per day to markets in Asia through Rippit, averaging two ships per month, despite the impact of rail blockades, which impacted deliveries into Ripid in February. RIPIT's reported EBITDA was negatively impacted by a $6 million realized hedge loss on supply volumes that are exported in April. Excluding the timing impacts of the hedge loss, first quarter EBITDA would have been about $33 million, or approximately $10 per barrel. That said, the realized hedge loss will have a positive impact on second quarter margins through lower inventory costs. As Randy mentioned earlier, we are achieving record rail car offloading and vessel loading rates and remain on track to hit our 50,000 barrel per day export target during 2020. We have secured the full 50,000 barrels of supply as of April 1st with approximately 33% now under long-term tolling agreements. Turning to our capital program and funding plan, the work we did last year to reposition the company to deliver the balance sheet is paying off. We are well positioned to navigate through the coming quarters, investing primarily in our low risk utilities business using our self-funding model while maintaining a strong balance sheet and an investment grade credit rating. Our $900 million capital program for 2020 is largely invested in our utilities with approximately 75 to 80% allocated to the segment. We expect to earn immediate returns on roughly 80% of our utility capital through increased utilization of accelerated replacement programs and managing maintenance spending to align with depreciation. The majority of midstream capital was focused on the Townsend and North Pine expansions, which were recently put into service. Volumes from these projects will be ramping up over the next few months, and we expect to see earnings contributions in the second quarter. As I mentioned, we maintain significant liquidity that fur- further minimizes our funding and capital market risk well beyond 2020. At the end of the quarter, we had approximately $4.1 billion of liquidity available to us, through $3.8 billion in available capacity on our credit facilities, and $335 million of cash on hand. We have debt maturities of approximately $980 million in 2020, and we're able to refinance approximately $780 million in debt maturities year to date. Maintaining an investment grade credit rating is fundamental to our strategy, as it provides us with greater financial flexibility at times like this. We have been proactive in communicating with the rating agencies, and have a constructive relationship with them. Our credit ratings remain unchanged. On April 3rd, Fitch affirmed their triple B stable triple B stable rating for AltaGas, and on April 27th, S&P affirmed their A-minus stable rating for WGL, citing no material persistent impact from the COVID-19 pandemic. Despite this challenging environment, our priorities have not changed, and we continue to focus on maintaining a strong balance sheet, funding organic growth, and returning capital to shareholders. Our outlook for 2020 remains unchanged with anticipated normalized EBITDA in the range of 1.275 to 1.325 billion, and normalized EPS of 120 to 130 per share, underpinned by increasing contributions from our core businesses, and lower interest expense due to lower leverage and interest rates. As a diversified, low-risk, high-growth utility and midstream company, we have positioned ourselves to deliver stable and reliable results through 2020. We expect the utility segment to contribute approximately 60% of 2020 estimated normalized EBITDA. Our rate-regulated utilities provide stability and growth through their steady and growing residential customer base, protected revenues, and limited sensitivity to weather. Approximately 70% of our utilities revenue comes from residential customers, and having effectively delivered safe and reliable service through our strongest demand quarter, we feel comfortable entering the spring and summer months, which typically represent only 20% of annual demand. Approximately 70% of our utility revenue is protected through fixed billing charges, decoupling, and other tracking mechanisms which help minimize the impact of load variability associated with weather and other demand-related pressures, such as COVID-19. AltaGas currently has decoupling or demand trackers in Maryland and Virginia and has applied for them in the District of Columbia under the current rate case. As Randy noted, we have been actively working with regulators and DC, Maryland, Alaska, Michigan, and Virginia have all issued orders that will allow us to track and recover any incremental COVID costs, including bad debts, through the establishment of regulatory assets. In midstream, our unique export strategy is underpinned by strong long-term fundamentals. The demand for clean burn propane in Asia is growing. The long-term supply demand imbalance supports the need for Canadian exports, and the montney continues to have some of the lowest breakeven prices in North America. We have limited direct commodity price exposure in our midstream business. About a third of Rippet's 2020 estimated volumes are contracted under long-term take or pay agreements with an average remaining term of about seven years. We have also hedged approximately 80% of Rippet's 2020 volumes at prices similar to 2019. Including contracted tolling arrangements, approximately 86% of Rippet's propane export volumes are hedged for 2020. At our other midstream facilities, we have hedges in place for approximately 93 percent of our 10,000 barrels per day of frac-exposed frac NGL volumes. In summary, we are confident in our 2020 outlook, with 60 percent of 2020 estimated normalized EBITDA coming from the utility segment and 80 percent from utilities and investment-grade counterparties. We also expect some tailwinds with the stronger average Canadian U.S. dollar exchange rate with approximately 70 percent of EBITDA being supported by low risk regulated US assets. Our strategy was designed to result in reliable, attractive long-term earnings and the work we have done to date provides us with financial flexibility. I believe that the combination of our strategy and strong financial stability provides us with the resilience to work through these unprecedented times. With that, I will turn the call over to the operator to facilitate the Q&A session. Operator.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now conduct the analyst question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. There will be a brief pause while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Rob Hope from Scotiabank. Your line is open.
3: Morning, everyone. Good morning, Rob. All right.
6: All right two questions the first one's just on uh, the uh, the visibility and the progress that you've made so far in reducing costs at WGL which then will allow you to improve your ROE you know the 6 million dollar leak 6 million dollar reduction in leak remediation costs that you saw in Q1 uh, can you just give a sense of how you see the rest of the year playing out and wouldn't the 6 million dollar be a significant portion of what of the, the cost is a significant portion of the cost improvement that you're expecting in
4: 2020? Yeah, Rob, uh, this is Randy. Um, Look, I I think we're making uh, excellent progress uh, in our operational excellence model and we're just at the beginning. I think the investments that we're making uh, in our accelerated pipeline replacement program is reducing expenses and it's reducing leaks uh, much more than historically. Uh, and there's clearly a correlation uh, between this pipeline investment as shown in this quarter uh, that reduced uh, our operating costs. Uh, so we remain on plan uh, you know, for our, our, our target this year. In fact, we're, we're ahead of it. Um, and, and, and again, as you pointed out, it's a combination of, of our operational excellence model as well as updating our rates and our jurisdictions that are gonna get us to our allowed returns. So uh, a bit ahead of schedule, but we're consistent with the guidance and the plan that we put forward. Um, and, um, and we'll continue to update as we you know, move forward through
6: the year. All right, that's helpful. And then just pivoting over to RIPIT, uh, just want to get a sense of uh, how many ships you did in April, as well as you had 50,000 barrels a day supply available to you in April, but you do talk to a you know 50,000 barrel a day kind of exit rate in terms of RIPIT. So, you know, it does imply that you, you, you could be hitting 50 uh, sooner rather than later.
4: Yeah, I'll let uh, Randy Toon uh, comment here, but I, I will you know, tell you, we are, we have experienced uh, increasing um, the Canadian demand access, this unique capability, and we've got a lot of strong interest from suppliers and, and clearly strong demand in Asia for the premium prices. Uh, you know, the limitation really is, is on the rail uh, challenges, uh, you know, but the team is working every day to maximize and improve the logistics, uh, you know, to, to, to reach the maximum capacity, uh, I'll
7: let Randy comment on the ships in April. Hey, uh, Rob, it's uh, Randy Tune. Yeah, we we did two ships in April, uh, which was consistent with plan. And our our plan is to do three ships in May. Um, as far as the 50,000 barrels go, uh, we have contracted 50,000 barrels, uh, but it doesn't show up uh, all at once. So we we roughly did about 45,000 barrels through through April, and uh, our target is still to do 50,000 barrels uh the rest of the year.
3: All right, thank you.
1: Your next question comes from Ben Pham from BMO. Your line is open.
8: Okay, thanks. Good morning. I also wanted to uh, follow up on, on RIP IT too and, and, and try to try and dig into this, this realized wash uh, you booked. I mean, you, the six million, you, you basically bring higher cost inventory forward in the quarter and you have took off some hedges. You see a, a benefit in Q2. Is that what was going on there?
5: Hey Bill, it's, uh, it's, it's James. Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, obviously, uh, we, we, we settle those hedges, and when you settle a financial derivative, you, you basically have to realize the gain or loss associated with it. The physical delivery of that inventory, though, was in April, so the, the cost of that inventory that was sitting in the tank at Ripet was, was lower as a result of that hedge loss being realized in Q1. So the margins in Q2 should be better as a result of that lower inventory loss.
8: Okay, and and I, I would assume that's um, that's mostly on the the non-tolling portion, which which I would assume the tolling propane cost is a pass-through. Is that that's, is that that's correct? Uh, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay, and 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 then this this inventory uh, benefit is is this something that, that persists in the second half as well, or is it to to be well, determined. Uh-
5: no, this is a this is a timing issue, just related, like I said, to the the settlement of the financial contract relative to the physical delivery. If if the if the contract had been rolled, or if, if the financial derivative had been rolled, then this would have matched into into Q2 deliveries. So it's it's okay. a one-time timing issue.
8: Okay. All right. Um, can you uh maybe switch over to 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 the the dividend and 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 maybe talk about. Dividend sustainability. You talk about the strength and resiliency of, of your business. Maybe, may speak to, to the dividend um, payout ratio targets, and how do you think about uh, those those payout ratios and as you feed through COVID nineteen
3: impacts?
4: Yeah, Ben, I'll, I'll, I'll let I'll let James uh, touch on that. But it, as you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, we had a substantial cut in, in our dividend, and, and we. From that point, we've been uh, executing uh, consistent to to the plan uh, in terms of our our looking forward in our business plan, Uh, and it's a a key part uh, of our our business strategy. I'll let James go ahead and talk
3: about the specifics.
5: Yeah, Ben, I think Randy touched on one of the most salient points. I mean, the tough decision to to cut the dividend was taken in 2018, and it was cut to a level that we consider to be sustainable. Uh, If you look at uh, the FFO growth that we've generated year over year and and uh, we're reaffirming our guidance with respect to EPS growth at the current level of 96 cents that's about a you know it's about a 70 to 75 percent payout ratio so we consider it sustainable from a an FFO standpoint considered sustainable from an EPS payout standpoint uh, and and it is underpinned by by continued strong growth in the cash flows of our utilities the, the utility the generation will continue to represent the majority of our business going forward and, and we feel that that's a strong underpinning and support.
8: Alright, that's great. May maybe one, one last one to me. Any any sort of timing update on on the put option, petrogas, is is there a hard date to do you have to respond back?
3: Yeah,
4: well um you know as I stated before we're we're in the evaluation process period and I'm not really able to you know to fully discuss our strategy, but I but I can tell you that um, you know, taking control of interest in petrographs you know, will allow us to consolidate the EBIT, provide monthly cash flows um, versus our equity distributions. You know, the put process is an iterative process, and at this point, you know, it's. Uh, it, it, I wouldn't want to speculate or you know, provide details until we uh, there's more certainty, really, uh, into the timeline.
3: We're working through the process. Okay, that's great. Thanks, everybody.
1: Your next question comes from Linda Galis from PD Securities.
0: Your line is open. Thank you. Um, just a, a follow-up uh, to Ben's question on the petrogas. Um, uh, what factors need to be in place uh, for you to exercise your conversion of the prefs there to increase your ownership to 37% and might that happen um, just before uh, you take ownership or, or what are the puts and takes on that front? Sure. James, I'll let you
5: go ahead and, and take that. Yeah, Linda, we we do have the uh, the ability and the right under our agreements to exercise uh, our prefs and convert them into into common. Uh, we haven't you know crystallized our thinking, but right now the the most uh, the most uh, 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 desirable approach for us is to most likely uh, do that conversion before we close the deal.
0: Okay, thank you. And um what were the drivers for the uh 12 year over year decline in Petrogas was it your crude oil marketing something else
5: Yeah it was it was predominantly uh crude oil marketing uh side of the business and some uh, realized hedge losses at Petrogas in Q1 relative to Q1 of 2019
0: Okay thank you And um maybe um just bigger picture your discussions with the rating agencies um you know uh, look stable uh clearly your your business is very resilient but i'm just wondering um if you could give us a sense of if you're still on track to achieve uh 5.5 times debt to ebitda uh, by the end of uh, 2020 and um and and keep it and, and how much further uh based on your plans might you be able to deleverage in 2021 and uh, is that still an appropriate target, or might there be some moving goalposts where you further um, shift that?
5: yeah, I mean if we look at our if we look at our current outlook for the year that uh, that we're reaffirming here today, we feel that we can get to the five point five times target by uh, by the end of this year, uh, just given the stability in in the utility business and and obviously the the fact that we've hedged a big portion of our of our midstream uh, cash flow. so we do feel comfortable that five and a half times is, is possible looking beyond 2020, obviously we, we continue to have at our disposal non-core assets that uh, that we'd like to, to continue to monetize and that's going to help us to further strengthen the balance sheet um, moving forward beyond 2020. So so we still feel that those are achievable and with a better macro backdrop uh, can move forward with uh, with some of those asset monetizations that we still have at our at our disposal on the power side.
0: That's helpful context, and um, I realize that you're busy with um, uh, ensuring everyone's safe and your continued operations during the pandemic, but as you look beyond that, I'm just wondering from a strategic perspective if you can comment on, um, you know, what factors might need to be in place um, to consider uh, potentially uh, deepening your relationship with Idomitsu in your joint venture in the past, um, there's been musings about further petrochemical investments. Uh clearly uh there's a valuation um disconnect between um you know propane that you're you're uh, leveraging through RIPIT And I'm just wondering um if there might be any sort of possibility of further investments down the road um and and what uh, attributes would need to be in place for those to be compelling to altogether.
4: Well Linda from a Strategic. They're an excellent partner, and we're very fortunate uh, with Ademitsu to have them as an excellent partner. And you know, right now we're staying the course. Right? We, we certainly, uh, you know, we're looking always at being opportunistic. My view, more macro on, on partnerships, is that if you can get one that is 1 plus 1 equals 3, then you've got some real value in what you're doing. So we'll continue to, to look uh, at, at ways uh, into the future uh, to expand um, but you know, right now, you know, as you said, uh, we're, we've got our, uh, our laser focused on executing uh, the plans uh, that we've put in place, maximizing the utilization of RIPIT, uh, and ultimately integrating petrogas. Uh, so your points are, are, are well taken uh, and will be opportunistic, but at this point we're, we're pretty well focused on, on, on the task at hand.
0: Okay and just I'm, I'm I'll jump in the queue in a moment, but just another kind of strategic updated thought from you on you know what sort of synergies do you still see between your midstream and utilities businesses and at what point might there be more benefit in uh focused uh, separate operations of those two platforms
4: I think I I've, I I've discussed this before Linda and in uh, overall we have you know two mm-hmm. excellent businesses and we are leveraging you know, synergies with around operational excellence, uh, gas control. Our utility does an excellent job of uh, managing its product each and every day. Uh, and then and, and the logistics associated with moving uh, our people and our product every day and they're operationally excellent in what they do. Similar to our, our, our midstream business and we're building a world-class midstream business uh, and leveraging a lot of those capabilities and infrastructures that go across both businesses. A combined Two businesses running uh, under uh, excellence around engineering uh, and construction, uh, but as we continue to add scale and, and grow those businesses, um, you know we'll we'll look at, at uh, into the future uh, whether it makes sense uh, for those businesses uh, uh, that they're large enough to be separate. But at this point, that's way down the road, and we see real value right now in these two businesses combined
0: at AltaGas. Great, thank you. I'll jump back in the queue.
1: Your next question comes from Robert Cattellier from CIBC. Your line is open.
6: Hi, you've uh, answered most of my questions, but I do want to go back to petrogas for a minute. Um, Given the extreme volatility in the the energy market, it seems um, quite possible that there's going to be a divergence of opinions on uh, valuation. So I'm wondering uh, in that context, what options do either of the parties
3: have uh, to defer a potential transaction? Well, with respect to your, your, your latter point, um,
4: our, our agreements uh, are pretty clear as we go through a variety of different independent valuations and their stages within. And as I said, I'm going to get into the details of that, but I'm, I'm confident that, uh, that uh, it will be an accretive transaction for all the gas uh, and is obviously uh, extremely strategic uh, in terms of our future around growing our export capabilities. Um, so the process will go forward. We will be operating uh, it, it down the road, and uh, but it's uh, there's a there's significant amount of, of time and process that goes through with uh, independent uh, expert valuation. So um, more to come.
6: Okay, thank you. That's, uh, that's helpful. And maybe uh, one question for Randy, uh, uh, Randy too. I'm just curious on the um, the trends you're seeing on the customer behavior in the gathering and processing business.
3: And uh, what
7: type of impacts that might have on fee for service volume? Uh, so yeah, um, the you know luckily we, like Randy said, we have a capital light program. So we we built out our our processing capacity uh, through you know 2017 through 2019, a little bit in 2020. Uh, and that and that processing capacity is is very valuable because because uh, of our integrated uh, midstream offering. And so we do see volumes coming into our facilities, and and we do have take or pays behind that. But there's no doubt that there is going to be a, a pullback uh, given what's going on in in, uh, in, the, in the commodity environment. But you know, long term, uh, the money is one of the best resources in the world, and we and we, it will be developed. And we think we have great assets in the right spots of the money. So. Okay. Thank
1: you. Your next question comes from Robert Kwan from RBC Capital Markets, so your line is open.
9: Great, good morning. Um, if I can just high level, just uh, dig in a little bit to the outlook or the guidance that you've got. Um, in the past quarter, you cited weather as well as WGL midstream as being a drag.
10: Um,
9: on the COVID-19, you've got the regulatory protection and seasonality help. So I think the utilities should probably be okay unless you have other comments, but, a couple of other factors, um, can you comment about the unregulated retail business and what customer demands on that might look like as well as for Randy, you commented on the midstream volumes, but it sounded a little bit more longer term. Can you just talk about real time, what you're seeing in, in volumes for, um, versus say, say Q1 and if there's any expectation of volumes falling off uh, for the remainder of the year?
4: Yeah, well, I'll take your first part on the retail business. It's a very small part of our overall um, businesses around uh, our, our utility, and, and we've obviously stress test all of those related to the volume. So, you know, from the gas side of the business, uh, we're into we've just come out of our largest volume quarter, and we have seasonal uh, businesses there, so uh, less volumes in the second and third quarter, uh, a little bit of power exposure. But overall, you know, those, we expect those to be down, um, but not, you know, not a material uh, impact overall to our guidance uh, going forward. Um, your second question was with respect to uh, the volume
3: uh, growth uh, behind
7: our, our systems, I believe. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Randy. Do you want go ahead. to make a bell? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, as we we uh, disclosed, we we just started up our Townsend expansion. So we we've, we've added the the deep cut uh, uh, capability to Townsend, and that's those volumes are going to ramp up. Uh, over the, the next few months, uh, our customers are—you uh, know—they've had drilled those wells. There's volume behind pipe, and they plan on bringing those wells on. Uh, you know, they do see the, the value of the gas price right now. Uh, some of our customers have shut in their oil wells uh, that have little, very little gas, or sorry, associated gas behind them. Um, so we, we do still feel confident that that uh, even near term, our the volumes will be there. Uh, we have seen some shut-ins uh, around our hermattan gas plant, but it's it's non-material to the overall midstream business. Um, and like I say, we uh, long-term we think the is going to be developed. So. Yeah, and
4: I would just add, look, we fully believe uh, that the export you know, is the future for North America for propane for butane, and we're well positioned for that. And in that area of our business, uh, you know, just continues uh, to grow, and we've experienced. Uh, you know, increasing demand uh, for that unique capability. And, and while our integrated approach will continue to grow, as Randy had said, it may, it may moderate. Um, but we're in an excellent position uh, as we've been. Not in, you know, we don't have a lot of money into these businesses, and we feel that the growth in RIPIT, which is generating significant cash, um, and we feel good about the Asian demand and the margins of this business. So, you know, that structural advantage and the access to global markets is where we're going to continue to grow. Uh, and we've got a lot of interest from large aggregators. So, again, not everything um, will come through our facilities, but we'll continue to see uh, demand coming from across the basin.
3: So, maybe if I can just summarize. If I think
9: about or where you were standing in December when you set the guidance, whether in the first quarter was a headwind, um, which also both the utility and WGO midstream. Um, and then a little bit on the unregulated retail. It doesn't sound like there's a lot happening on midstream volumes, and then the, the tailwind being taller. Um, do, are there any other kind of changes that you didn't envision in December, kind of pushing the numbers
3: within guidance? Uh,
4: well, James can cover the FX uh, is, is obviously a, a tailwind uh, as well right now.
5: Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that is that is a material factor. I mean, if you look at the sensitivities in our MDNA, you know, a five five cent change is about a thirty-five million dollar uh, upside uh, from a an EBITDA standpoint. So the tailwinds there are significant, Robert. But I, I, I want to go back to your comments on uh, the the retail side of the business. That is a, an extremely small piece of the overall uh, business. So even if we had a, you know. And and I'm throwing this out there as as an example, even if we had a 20% pullback in demand there, I don't think that that really moves the needle. It represents about 3% of our consolidated EBITDA. Okay, that
9: that makes sense. Um, Turning to debt leverage, um, you've got the five and a half times target. I'm just wondering, what are you seeing right now on incremental bad debt expense? And any temporary payment deferrals. So even though you've got the regulatory asset treatment, I'm just wondering, is it material enough to impact your ability to hit that target?
5: Yeah, it's uh, it's a good question. So I we have not seen at this point uh, any material spike in uh, or slowdown in collections. I mean, if I you saw obviously in Q1 we had a, a working capital unwind uh, that's continued into the entire month of April. Uh, so we haven't seen anything material there. You know, if we go back to um, the, the global financial crisis, I think they, back in 08, 09, I think time frame, they saw about a
0: $10 million
5: uh, spike in that in site. So I, I don't think that that puts pressure on it. I think from a, a coverage ratio standpoint, the, the regulatory asset accounts are going to provide some assistance for us and uh, not take any of that uh, P&L hit uh, on, on those ratios but obviously uh working capital would would have to obviously grow a little bit and, and we'll have to take on a little more leverage. But that's all been discussed with the rating agencies when we reached out and we were proactive and, and we continue to feel comfortable with the the most salient metrics that they track, especially uh, S and P and that's our, our FFO to, to debt metric. Yeah Got I
4: it. think
10: and I guess oh,
4: well, I just wanted to add, um, since Randy, we, you know, we, as I mentioned, we're entering the lower usage months of the utility, right? We have, six, you know, the six months of the weather uh, to weather the storm before there's really any, any impact, and so I think we're in an excellent position uh, when this gets under control and we and we get back to some sense of normal in the fourth quarter. That,
9: that makes sense. And, and just last,
4: uh, still on the leverage, what, what do you
9: think is an appropriate level for your company longer term, just given, you know, the five and a half times metric and that's kind of your calculation. I think it's closer to six on the rating agencies with the press. But you know, you don't see a lot of utilities up at that level and certainly we don't see midstream companies up at that level. So where would you like to be longer term?
5: Well, you know, we've said consistently and, and uh, both Randy, has said it, uh, Randy and I have said it since uh, since joining that we'd like to be under under five times. I mean, if you exclude the, the press, that's probably somewhere a little higher than uh, if you include the press, that's somewhere a little higher than five. But, you know, if you look at some of the Canadian utilities, they've got they've got leverage that, that it's in the high fives from a, a debt uh, EBITDA standpoint. But I'll, I'll go back to what we said last year and, and we continue to manage towards it. We've got enough uh, in the way of non core assets still available to us to monetize as things get better and we get a better macro. Uh, backdrop that allow us to get under five times that divisor in a medium to long term. And,
4: and I agree. And, we've been clear about that, and we we want to be down below that. We will be. Um, you know, the environment's a bit clearly in this uh, with asset sales, but you know, we're not desperate to sell. And in the long run, you know, we have some excellent remaining encore assets, uh, uh, and that uh, we'll work uh, in the long term throughout this year to continue to, to monetize those and. Uh, uh, and, and be able to, to to meet those metrics going forward. That's great. Thank you very much.
1: Your next question comes from Julian moulin Smith from Bank America. Your line is open.
3: Hey, uh, good morning, team. Thank you so much. Um, so, perhaps following up on the last round of questions on the utilities, um, can you can you elaborate a little bit? I mean, obviously, you you, you continue to articulate these cost savings targets, um, and, and obviously, you're entering in the um, Low season of utilization with respect to the gas facilities. but that being said, are you still on track? Do you see any when you think about the sales impacts uh, in aggregate through the course the cumulative course of the year, do you see any pressure um relative to your ability or your plan to achieve your earned that you've already articulated? Just want to make sure that you feel good. A against the sales and B to the extent which is necessary to raise uh, those cost targets um, to offset to mitigate those concerns.
4: Yeah, Julian. Uh, look, uh, confident we're going we're going to hit those targets. I'm going to let uh, Blue Jenkins uh, he'll give you a, a bit more detail because he and the management team that, that is in place is doing an excellent job and is on track. So, Blue, I'll let you comment on Julian's question. Yeah,
2: thanks, Randy. Julian, good question. Now, as, as you recall, and you can see it in the uh, presentation, so the ROE process will continue, uh, improvement on the return, will continue this year and into
6: 2021. So we don't see anything both near-term as a result of COVID or anything
4: else that would impact that process. As you saw in Q1, we we're able to drive our costs down a bit uh, better than budget. We have a plan to continue to do that
6: through the course of the year. So I think the actions we're taking I think given the uh, revenue conversation that we've had earlier in terms of the rate cases and some of the protections that exist, is, is, I think we will get there by the end of 21, and it still feels pretty good from where we sit today.
3: Excellent. Welcome. Um, if I can ask a quick follow-up here, uh, going back to the midstream side of the business, and you talked about the confidence um, reaffirmation this year um, around RIPPIT and more broadly. Can you talk about the actions you're taking now to de-risk the business prospectively beyond the current year, to firm up the outlook, and then especially uh, looking at RIPIT more specifically, um, your confidence level on sustaining um, cash flows, and uh, more importantly, probably scaling the volume still, um, given the backdrop? Yep. The simple answer is, is I feel pretty good about it. And because
4: we are consistently being approached by large aggregators who want access to our unique um, capabilities, so from a volume uh, perspective and from a tolling uh, perspective on our targets and de-risking of these assets, uh, I, I feel very good about that um, and that we're in, um, in a strong position to continue to meet those, those objectives. It's a very unique capability. When you're in a point, as I said in my prepared remarks, uh, when, um, you know, there's... Uh, reductions uh, in, in North American demand. Um, access to global markets are absolutely uh, essential, and uh, we're seeing strong demand. Strong demand on the supply side, and strong demand on on the on the Asian markets.
3: Uh, so that gives me a great deal of confidence. Got it. Your commentary is multi-year, there, right?
7: I'm sorry, sir.
3: Your, your commentary applies beyond 21 uh, beyond 20 and 21 onwards, right? On scaling
4: yes it does it it it, it 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 my comment is
3: related to, to 2020 and beyond okay um i'll leave it there thank you guys your next question
1: comes from patrick kenny from Nash, national bank financial your line is open
10: hey guys uh thanks for all the updates this morning um yeah just thinking with the midstream business here i guess outside of you know lower fee for service volumes um curious if you've had or expect to have any further discussions with your non investment grade customers with respect to restructuring any of the uh, the take or pay commitments across the portfolio or you know perhaps any other form of support for your customers netbacks just until commodity prices recover um, or do you believe that the uh, you know the recent uh, government' support that was announced through the EDC loans will be enough to to see them through to the to the other side of this.
3: Yeah, I think
4: uh, it, it's certainly a challenging time uh, you know, for many. But you know, our decision to create the ability to export propane in Asia through RIPIT and you know, that unique value proposition uh, is, is really um, helping uh, our customers, uh, and that, that's that's the role that we're playing. The benefits of creating a new demand for Canadian producers, helping them get better netbacks and, and help them position uh, better to recover uh, from the storm. That they're encountering, so uh no we will continue to work with them uh we we don't see any material you know, we are talking to all of our customers, but as I said, you know we continue to expand uh, our supply mix and customers uh, in increasing
3: uh, with larger and diversified high quality aggregators um, so.
7: okay, um
10: just switching gears you guys touched on Blythe just to clarify. You know as it relates to pursuing a potential sale of that asset at some point um, now that the the new tolling agreement was approved in the quarter or is that process simply just not feasible in this environment
4: you know I think we it's, I wouldn't say it's not not feasible we're, we we've got processes and we we're looking you know, toward that but as I mentioned that we're uh you know we we we, we we're not going to sell assets uh, for less than in their market, than their value, and, and we are in a strong position. We, we don't have to do that. So you can imagine this environment that uh, transactions around asset sales are a bit challenged. Uh, but that's a short run. Uh, I think in the medium to long term, uh, we'll be able to execute and get fair value going
10: forward. Okay. Fair enough. And then last one here, maybe for James, uh, you touched on the credit ratings. Just Wanted to confirm that your corporate IG rating and stable outlook um, has been recently reaffirmed by the rating agencies, or was that just for WGL? Um, and also, you mentioned the funding that's been executed year to date. Um, also, wanted to confirm that do you see the need to be in the debt markets so, uh, over the remainder of 2020? Of I believe there's a small $200 million note that's due in June. Um, or is the plan to wait until the economy reopens?
5: Yeah, no, that's uh, good. So just on uh, the first part of your question, uh, Pat, on, on the rating agencies, uh, Fitch came out and uh, affirmed the, the rating of uh, AltaGas and the entire uh, group of companies that, that they rate. So so that was inclusive of the utilities and, and WGL holdings as well. Uh, S&P put out a specific report on WGL uh, and had no issues with, with ALA. So they left the rating uh, where it is uh, for ALA, so triple BB- B-minus stable outlook, and uh, in our conversations with DBRS, they they didn't take any uh, any rating actions either. So they left uh, they left the ratings as they were when we they all came out in December as part of our annual review. On on the uh, the refinancing and the 980 million dollars in maturity, 780 million dollars of that was at the WGL Holdings and Semco level, and those deals were closed at the end of April. You know the 200 million dollar maturity that we have coming up at, at ala uh, we have enough capacity on the line to, to be able to repay that on maturity and if we if we see credit spreads tighten and, and we see a window in the market uh, then we will we will access it at uh, favorable pricing we, we have seen people access the markets and especially uh, utilities and infrastructure companies with stable cash flows and we feel that We've got those characteristics, so we're just going to monitor things and and decide when the right time is to to do that refinancing longer term.
10: Got it. Okay. Thanks again, guys.
5: Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from Andrew Kuski from Credit Suisse. Your line is open.
6: Thanks. Good morning. Uh, Obviously, it was a volatile quarter, but could you maybe give us some context on just how your risk management systems performed amidst the volatility and then any tweaks you've made
3: to your systems in light of what happened.
5: Sure, James, I'll let you go ahead. And- Randy, you want me to take that, yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I, I just, before I uh, I talk about some of the specific uh, risk management practices, you know, I just wanna take the chance to reiterate that when you look at our trailing 12-month revenue, uh, we're at 70 to 75% investment grade at the midstream business, right? And if you layer in the utilities, we're, we're well north of 80%. Uh, But in terms of uh, risk management practices and and things we do short term uh, with with some of the counterparties that we have that are below investment grade, I mean, we've always been uh, marketing NGLs and and, uh, gas for for some of these entities and and as a result, we settle our tolls first and if there's any AR balances remaining at a month end or quarter end, uh, we typically have letters of credit that backstop those exposures uh, to our customers. And, and obviously, from a, a medium to longer term standpoint, you know, we, we still feel confident that the, the assets that we have are positioned in a very prolific basin. And, and, and as a result of that, it, it's a desirable basin uh, when consolidation happens and some of the some of the stronger producers look to consolidate those positions. We feel that we're well positioned for those uh, volumes to flow to our plants. So that, that's, you know, we've always been very active on the risk management front. And, and those are some of the examples of, of things that we do. Through this uh, through this period,
6: and then uh, any substantial changes to the policies are really steady as she goes, and everything held up really well with the volatility that we saw.
5: Well, I think we've always had appropriate policies to deal with uh, a credit risk assessment of, of our of our customers. So, I mean, if your question is, have we become more more aggressive on LCs? I we've always been. I think we've always been uh, aggressive when it comes to dealing with sub-investment grade counterparties. Based on on market demands to, for them to post LCs. I mean, even on on cargos that we ship to uh, to Asia, if if they're sub investment grade, then then we demand LCs to backstop those exposures to us. Yeah, and I
4: just thought we have a very robust process from the mid, the front office, and the back up. We we have our, our, our risk committee and, and policies, and it's a. I mean, this is a low risk, higher growth utility and midstream company, so uh, it's a key part of how we manage this business every day. So. Uh, you know, this is just a testament uh, to when you stress the system, as, as it would for many companies, uh, how well we've held up in, in the quality of our risk management tools.
6: Yeah, I guess that's the gist of it is you had a Six Sigma event, and uh, everything held up really well.
4: You got it. Exactly. Thank you for that question.
9: Okay. That's great. Thank you.
4: The last
1: question comes from Elias Foscalos from Industrial Alliance Securities. Your line is open.
6: Uh, Good morning. Just one quick question, uh, probably directed to one or two of the Randys. I I believe, Randy, in your opening remark, you said 120,000 barrels a day of combined propane and butane export capability off the West Coast. And I I guess uh, I recall RIPIT having a maximum capacity of 80 and the Ferndale facility of 30. So is there some optimization that you can see?
4: Yeah, no. That's a look. The optimization really uh, is is around the logistics, right? In the rail and the optimization, these facilities can do you know those that capability, but but the limiting factor uh, is really the logistics uh, around getting the, the number of, uh, of ships out and, and being able to get the supply there. So what I was referencing was uh, was underlying capability and the amount of ships uh, that, that could be there. Um, but the key driver is going to be about the rail and the logistics uh, to get the product uh, to maximize that. And as I said, you know the team is working on that uh, um, each and every day uh, to, to work toward the logistics of maximizing uh, supply and, and export volumes. Randy, I don't know if you
7: See, want to add anything. Yeah, Randy, uh, it's Randy Tune, uh, and, and you know Ripit is capable of eighty thousand barrels a day, uh, and and Ferndale is actually capable of, of, of forty thousand barrels a day, not thirty. So that's where we we get to 120 okay then thanks uh, for that clarification
2: that's it
1: this concludes the Q&A portion of today's call I will now turn the call back to mr. McKnight
2: thanks Julianne and thank you everyone once again for joining our call this morning uh, and for your interest in Alta gas just as a reminder the investor relations team will be available after the call if you've got any follow-up questions And that concludes our call this morning. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and you may now disconnect your phone lines.